0: Welcome to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. I'm your host, Jen Alex. The goal of this show is to uncover communication strategies and behaviors you can use to improve the way you show up and perform at work. We'll talk about what effective communication looks like in action so you can apply it to your own career. If you'd like a written summary of each episode, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting Communications.com. That's V-A-U-T-I-E-R communications.com. Check out the show notes for a link. Welcome back. Today, I'm joined by John Vautier, Vice President of Vautier Communications and also my twin brother. John, thanks for being here tonight.
1: Thanks, Jen. Good to be on again.
0: So today, you and I are going to talk about practice and how we can improve that. First thing I want to lead in with, in our programs, we talk about deliberate practice. Can you explain a little bit about what that means?
1: Yeah. So deliberate practice is actually carving time out to dedicate yourself to practicing. And we encourage our coaching programs, follow a learning by doing model, right? You know this as well as I do. So learning something, you need to learn what that skill is, but then go and apply it. And I use the the analogy all the time of I like taking a golf lesson. You take a golf lesson from a golf pro and it's important that you go and practice your swing at the driving range. You practice your swing in the putting green, the chipping area. Same is true when we speak. We have to practice those skills that we've now acquired and turn them into application. And so these can be deliberate practice pieces as we call them, but we like to call them bite-sized practice pieces. So It's taking little opportunities wherever you fit them in the day and finding out, okay, I'm going to practice eye contact with this interaction, or I want to practice my voice being higher in this interaction, or next time I'm on this call, I want to make sure I'm taking more pauses in silence so I can try to minimize the ums and the ahs of those non-words that tend to sneak in if we don't pause in silence. But that's really what I mean by deliberate practice is just dedicated discipline time to Put a way to practice.
0: Right. Awesome. And in our program, sometimes that means in the moment. So we introduce a skill and then we have participants practice it immediately to apply it. But then it can also be something that's done later. So like you said, you learn something in a session and then you are going to work on applying that on your next call that might be three, four days later, could be three or four weeks later. And so it's continuously going back and focusing on that.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Awesome. So when we think about practice, what are some of the common mistakes that we see people make?
1: For me, going back to my college days, it was those times that you would cram for a test, trying to cram and practice, quote unquote, learn everything at once or learn it as quickly as you can. To me, I don't think that's valuable. And I I use a saying, you can't jam 10 pounds of potatoes in a 5-pound bag. And what I mean by that is when you think about practicing, It's going to feel overwhelming to you if you try to practice everything at once. And so we like to take, again, using what I said earlier, bite-sized pieces of practice and then figure out how can I apply little by little. And I'll often tell participants, pick your low-hanging fruit. We think about practice pieces that you would go through in one of our programs. We'll use executive communication skills as an example. You practice the eye contact, your hand gestures, your posture and body language, your volume, your inflection, your pace, And then taking pauses to minimize non-words rather than trying to do all seven of those things at once, which will feel overwhelming, Mm -hmm. figuring out how can I slow things down and pick one of those things, one of those low-hanging fruits that I think would have the biggest bang for the buck. And I really feel like going that approach is a good one versus deciding, oh, I'm going to cram. And then I, I think to piggyback off that, Jen, it's not knowing why you're practicing. Yeah. So if you don't know the why it's going to feel like a chore every single time. And you don't want it to feel like a chore because the likelihood of you repeating that over time and turning it into a habit is much less if it doesn't feel like fun. And I had a coach growing up in basketball. And I remember you growing up swimming and playing basketball as well. We had coaches that like to encourage practice is fun, Mm -hmm. but if you dread going to practice and you only like showing up for the game, it's really not going to be all that enjoyable for any of the parties involved.
0: And then, One that I'd like to add in is thinking that practice is all the same, which kind of piggybacks off of what you just shared too. The goal is not just putting in reps and more reps is always better. We talk about in our programs more and better and the difference between it. More is more and better is better. But just because you've done more reps, if they're not good reps, if they're not accurate reps, if they're not perfect reps, good Or, I'm sorry, more does not necessarily make them better or doesn't make that practice always worthwhile.
1: Yeah, you don't want to train bad habits. And so, this idea around practicing with accuracy is, in my opinion, very important. And I think if you don't practice with accuracy, then you're training muscles or training skills that you're going to think to yourself down the road well, I'm not really sure if that's all that effective. And so you don't want to practice a bunch of reps the wrong way. And as you mentioned, you know, shooting free throws, you're not practicing shooting free throws with your left hand if you're right handed, because you probably won't do that all that often. So you want to make sure you're practicing the skill set the way you're going to play.
0: Yep. Okay. So then coming off those common mistakes, if you had to list one skill, let's say that would help the most when it comes to practice, what would you suggest?
1: One concept that helps the most with practice, I would say probably slowing things down. And that and it, it goes back to deliberate practice, but not feeling so pressured. I like this 30 by 30 approach. And if you follow Sahil Bloom, I love what he mentions. And he talks about this 30 by 30 by 30 or 30 for 30. And it's 30 minutes of dedicated practice for 30 days in a row. Mm-hmm. And I like that because it forces you, the person who's trying to practice a new skill, to take it in bite-sized chunks, right? 30 minutes in a 24-hour period doesn't feel like that's all that overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And then 30 days in a row is all around building some habits and some discipline. Most people can say, oh yeah, I can do anything for a day or two, and it's a day or two of going and trying to get 10,000 steps, and then you fall off the wagon. I like to encourage people, try not to miss two days in a row. If you fall off one day because life happens, or you're putting out fires at work, or you're exhausted from a late-night flight that got delayed, understood but if you can avoid missing two days in a row if you can apply that 30 for 30 or 30 by 30 technique 30 minutes of dedicated practice 30 days in a row i think people would be amazed at how quickly some of the skills depending on what you're trying to practice and implement some of the skills become that much more natural
0: yeah the brain needs time to absorb new information and when we think back to that cramming aspect if we are trying to pull an all-nighter and learn a skill overnight first time, that's it, chances are you're not going to retain all that information. So if you can think about shorter time frames frames over longer periods of time, that's usually going to benefit you a little bit more in the long run.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, so in our sessions, we encourage our participants to self-reflect. Can you share some ways that maybe people listening can do this and why self-reflection can be beneficial?
1: Yeah, I like this concept of practicing purposely. So as we think about practicing purposefully, you're really practicing on making sure you understand the why behind what you're doing. So what exactly are you practicing would be step one. And all you're doing is finding answers for these questions. What are you practicing? Why are you practicing that? And then what is getting better look like? So it's not perfect because I don't think chasing perfection is realistic. I don't want people to think that there's this finish line that they can get to and they say, okay, I no longer have to practice. I like this idea of this continuous trail, if you will. But if you know what you're practicing, you know why you're practicing that certain skill or technique, and you know what getting better looks like, to me, I think that gives you three opportunities to say, okay, I can reflect on what I've just done. Now, easy ways in today's technological world, we've all got smartphones. But at the very least, you can put record on your smartphone and just record the audio of you saying something out loud, practicing something out loud, if it is indeed practicing communication skills, of course. Most of us have access to video on our phones, so we could set our phone up, flip the camera around to face us. And as challenging as we know that feels, watching yourself on tape, Mm -hmm. reviewing yourself gives you a very clear view of what others get to see and hear when you take the front of the room and again, tying this to communication skills, that's what we do, it's important that you are able to get yourself on camera. And I know it's awkward. I know no one likes the way they look and sound, but that self-reflection makes a big deal. And there's worksheets available. There's note-taking opportunities you can do. There's a lot of ways to self-reflect, but I really think it boils down to, do you know what you're practicing? Do you know why you're practicing it? And then do you know what getting better looks like or what success would look like for you?
0: And I think that's great. And what you mentioned, even there's not a point where you get in your career where you say to yourself, I no longer have to practice or there shouldn't be. I know you and I, when we build a new program or we put together a new webinar, a new offering that might be tailored specifically for a client, we still go through, we practice it out loud. We go through the content, we stand up on our feet, we take those pauses, but we get comfortable with the material the more comfortable people are with what it is they're talking about, the better experience most often their audience is going to get.
1: Absolutely. And I think it makes it sound more conversational. Yeah. And to me, I hear people say, oh, I practiced, but it was more memorizing. Yeah. And we can talk about memorization in an entirely separate podcast, but to me, memorization is just a, a bad idea because it doesn't sound authentic. It doesn't sound genuine. People know when somebody has memorized content and it just doesn't flow as nicely or naturally as a regular normal conversation might. And so we encourage people be familiar with your message, be familiar with what you want to say or what you want to share, but then make it conversational and speak naturally, let it flow out naturally. But that way it doesn't feel, you don't feel so pressured to say it exactly how it was memorized because any little hiccup along the way is going to completely throw you off.
0: So where is the best place to practice? Do you have a recommendation
1: for that? Ooh, I would say in social situations. And the reason I say that, Jen, is we know this as well as anyone else. Social situations, usually there's very little stress. Mm-hmm. But you think about trying to practice new skills when the lights are on and your feet are to the fire, so to speak, or people say, oh, Jesus, this is a really high stakes talk. All of a sudden, trying to practice in that arena is going to feel, again, overwhelming, challenging. You're going to be riddled with nervousness. So I like to encourage people, get practice repetitions when it doesn't really matter. And for most of us, that's our social situations. Personal life, when we're talking with our wives, spouses, friends, family, kids, whoever it is that we're communicating with, those are easy places to get reps where no one's really evaluating you. No one's likely judging you through a lens that it might feel that way at a corporate setting or in the business world where you want to make sure, oh, geez, this is my first interaction with this client or this prospect or this new team member. I don't want to mess this up getting those repetitions and ripping that band-aid off in those social situations will get you more comfortable and that way when the time comes and you do have to be at your best so to speak it's a bit more natural and free flowing to do so because you've gotten the repetitions behind closed doors
0: yeah and then you can still practice in those more i'll call it quote-unquote on situations or the you do have a meeting coming up maybe once you practice it enough in your social settings The next place you practice it is where the stakes are a bit higher in a team meeting, something where Mm -hmm. there's not a ton of pressure, but you are giving a presentation or you are running the meeting. And so you obviously want to do a good job, but it gives you the opportunity to now have some type of agenda or something that you have planned to talk about and you need to get through. You are trying to influence or educate your audience about something. So their experience does, in fact, matter as well. And then there's probably going to be some type of Q&A or open discussion at the end. Once you get some good practice reps in, in those situations, then you take it again to that next level where you do have your high stakes meetings, presentations, interactions, and you continue to practice on that front.
1: Yeah. I really think it's about getting repetition. So I don't think the where is as important as the what. And if you look at all the great athletes of their time, greatest basketball players, football players, soccer players, golfers, they get a space to practice and they have whatever accessory they need, right? A basketball, a football, a baseball and a glove, a golf ball and a club, figure out what it is. But those great golfers, the Tiger Woods of the world that win the Masters don't only practice at Augusta in Georgia. They get practice reps at any golf course they go on and The Michael Jordans, LeBron James, they have a ball and they have a hoop, they can practice their craft.
0: Awesome. Okay, and to wrap it up, you love the saying, as much as necessary, as little as possible. Can you tell me how that applies when it comes to practice or how you would think about that through the lens of practice?
1: Yeah, so it's this whole concept of the minimum effective dose and that as much as necessary, as little as possible. Too often we hear people, as you mentioned earlier, confuse more with better. Mm -hmm. And I really think that you want to practice enough, but not too much. And so it's a fine line for everybody and everyone's going to have a different concept or idea on what that means for them. But I do believe that if people just say, well, I'll keep practicing more and more. I think I want to reframe that idea of let's not only worry about more reps. In some cases, more reps is a good thing, but let's make sure more reps are getting done with intent getting done purposefully, getting done slowly, as we talked about, slowing things down to make sure the brain has an opportunity to absorb and figure out, okay, this is the new mechanism. This is the new body language pattern or muscle memory pattern that has to exist. But I, I really do believe that there is this this idea that you could overpractice. Mm-hmm. And usually that's where I hear people getting into the memorization space. Yep. And I, I to, to me, there's a diminishing return on that investment, if you will. And so you don't want practice to become counterproductive and you don't want to get to a point where you practice so much that it's no longer enjoyable.
0: Yeah.
1: And I, I think that our bodies and minds only have enough capacity, if you will, to do something or do a number of things, depending on how many skills or techniques you're trying to apply or implement before you get to that space of, okay, now I'm getting into this counterproductive area and I don't want to go there.
0: Yeah, you want to be careful that you don't get so stuck practicing where if you miss a specific word or you told yourself, okay, after I say this statement, I'm going to take a step towards my audience. And if you don't do those things or you forget about them, all of a sudden it throws the rest of that talk or interaction off because that's where things will really start to crumble. And it doesn't matter how great whatever was before that point what your audience is gonna end up remembering and the impact they'll walk away with is how things fell apart from that point on in the rest of their talk. So we wanna be comfortable without getting into that memorization. We want to make sure that we practice enough to put those reps in, but make sure that they're accurate reps and then go through and be sure we're not memorizing any information.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important you mentioned self-reflection earlier. I think it's important for the person, the individual practicing, to know what their too much practice line is. Mm-hmm. And I'll put too much practice line in quotes. Figure out where your your edge is, so to speak. And you don't want to go past that edge because then you're gonna fall. And so an easy way to figure that out, you know, think of two questions. When do I become mentally overloaded or mentally fatigued as I'm practicing something, whatever that is? And then second question. When am I no longer feeling capable of performing whatever I'm trying to do well? Mm -hmm. And I'll put well underlined. Well is whatever it means for you. But as soon as you feel like, okay, I'm no longer doing this the correct way, that's probably a good time to stop, step away, do something different. Just let yourself reset, but take a break from that practice and then return to it. But at that point, if you feel like, okay, I'm mentally overloaded or mentally fatigued or... I'm no longer doing the skill or technique the way I want it to. It's not working well for me. That's when you've gone past that too much line and you need to just stop.
0: So to summarize a couple other things we talked about, we encourage people to practice. So deliberate practice can be, you learn something new in the moment. It could be in a training program. It could be on your own personal learning journey that you have. But as soon as you learn something, try to apply it right away to start to get that ingrained in to become a habit and then also look for places to continue to practice that as you continue to move forward. Yeah.
1: Find opportunities. Repetitions are easy to find when you start to look for them.
0: Next, use that self-reflection. Think about why am I practicing? What is the purpose? What am I trying to work on so that those reps are meaningful? And I'm not just telling myself, okay, I'm practicing because I know I should, but I really don't know why. And I'm really not enjoying it. And then the last piece that we just talked about here is find that that point of no return for you. So where practice is no longer being productive and it's counterintuitive to what you are trying to do, where we get stuck getting too focused on something, starting to memorize, or we're almost working ourselves backwards. John, thanks so much for being here today. We will see you in a future episode.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Jen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Speak As Well As You Think podcast brought to you by Vautier Communications. Again, I am your host, Jen Alex. Vautier Communications is in the business of business communication skills. We coach and train both individuals and groups on how to elevate their presence and increase their impact through the way they communicate, present and write. If you want to learn more about our in-person or virtual training options, visit our website at www www.bottiercommunications.com. Thanks for listening.